With me today is my colleague, Brian Walzell, and we are joined by Greg Lavelle, Chief Technology Officer at ConocoPhillips. Greg, we're very appreciative of you taking this time with us today. First of all, we want to start off by talking about the current downturn the industry finds itself in. There's a lesson focused on either researching new technology or applying new technologies. Kind of as companies have been in survival mode, if you will. Can you share your thoughts on this trend and what you think it means for the industry going forward? And when you look at a disruptive event like the one we're going through right now, uh, lessening focus on innovation or technology advancements is actually, uh, we think, uh, not the right approach. You know, during times like this, you really need to be increasing the focus uh, in that you've got to find a way to improve the underlying business performance. So, you know, there is a lot of stress in the industry, but uh, companies are having to try to find that right balance uh, between the short-term survival and the longer term uh, prosperity. And frankly, at our company, we're putting more and more of our energy into accelerating adoption of uh, already proven or nearly proven technologies. Uh, so maybe lessening a little bit of the focus on things that are a long ways out, but really trying to push uh, readily available improvement opportunities into the business very quickly. And expanding on that a little bit more, can you tell us anything more that ConocoPhillips is really focusing on with technologies, particularly now? You mentioned, of course, maybe pushing some aside that are far out. But like you mentioned, now you never know what technology can be doing to help the industry during this time. Yeah, so we're, we're focusing on a broad range of uh, technologies. Uh, you know, I would say if I think about the areas where we've probably increased our focus most dramatically, it's really in the uh, digital space. Uh, you know, if you look at our technology footprint, it's quite large. Uh, we have our core EMP programs, but uh, most of those are digitally enabled. And we actually have three uh, digitally focused uh, technology programs. So a uh, lot of uh, attention being pushed in that direction. You know, I, I think backwards, you know, if you look back 10 years, I think everyone would say that 2010s was the age of uh, the unconventional resources technology uh, really making a difference. I think in 2020 is going to be the digital decade for our industry when uh, digital really comes of age and it has a big impact on cost supply. And Greg, you mentioned uh, earlier uh, about the need for um, really to focus now, particularly now, on the need to increase focus on technology adoption. The oil and gas industry has a reputation, whether it's rightly or wrongly, for being slow adopters of, of new technology. How will the current environment um, impact technology adoption? Yeah, when, when I think about our industry, uh, you know, I think you could uh, describe it at times as being a slow adopter, but I think you can use that uh, headline for almost any industry out there. You know, when I, when I look at uh, the innovation and adoption equation, uh, adoption just frankly isn't easy. So whether you're in Silicon Valley, New York, London, or uh, Shanghai, adoption is always a challenge. And so uh, technology leaders really need to pay a lot of attention to that space. Uh, you know, that's an area where we've invested a lot of energy because we recognize that innovation creates the opportunity for improvement. But until a technology is actually adopted and adopted as broadly as practical, you haven't captured that improvement uh, within your business. So uh, somewhat interestingly, during big downturns, uh, the ability to push uh, adoption into the business more quickly than you might otherwise actually goes up because the sense of urgency uh, within the company uh, actually increases. Uh, when prices are $100 a barrel, uh, quite often people get quite comfortable with using the approaches they've been using. Uh, it's only when the 
uh, margins get uh, compressed or turn negative that uh, you know the real stress occurs that allows you to uh, more or less spike the curve if you will you want to uh, actually get uh, the technology adopted as quickly as possible so rather than the flatten the curve uh, conversations that have been going on in the COVID-19 pandemic we want to do exactly the opposite thing. Yeah, that is very interesting. Uh, thanks for sharing that, that insight. What types of technologies do you see playing a key role over the next few years? Yeah, I, I mentioned about, uh, you know, kind of the 2020s being the digital decade, and I, I really do think I'm not overplaying that. I know there's a lot of hype around digital, but uh, when we look across the suite of capabilities that we've developed in the recent past and the things we're working on, we think uh, these are going to be game changing as far as what it allows us to do to further optimize our performance. I might, I might just mention three uh, areas. One would be uh, virtual communication and collaboration. Uh, you know, you look at what we're doing right now, Zoom meetings or uh, using Microsoft Teams, which is the product ConocoPhillips uses. Uh, we have seen an incredible uptick in the use of uh, virtual communication and collaboration technologies. And, you know, what I think is really interesting is we're using it not just for virtual meetings. Uh, you know, that, that's something which has become mainstream in the last uh, few months, but actually using uh, these tools to their full capacity where you can uh, connect people in widely separate, uh, separate locations and have them collaborate on uh, problems or pursue opportunities is quite powerful. And, you know, with some of the tools available today, you know, virtual whiteboards where multiple people can have the, uh, the pen in their hand, uh, polling uh, that can happen real time so you can get a sense of what people are thinking. Uh, there's a lot of opportunity in that space. Another area would be automation. Uh, if you think about what digital is going to allow us to do, it's going to allow us to optimize performance in almost every part of our business with less human intervention. Uh, so we're seeing this as an incredibly high leverage area, whether it's on the kind of the front end of the curve, where you're looking at uh, finding the right place to drill wells, or actually in drilling operations, or, or uh, actually producing uh, the oil and gas. So Automation is a big one. And the third one I mentioned is data analytics. Uh, very, very complementary to automation. I mean, it basically is what allows automation to be as powerful as it is. But what we're finding is that if you can take the analytics approaches and combine them with the you know, kind of traditional math and physics-based approaches that we've been using for decades and decades, you can come up with some really powerful insights and make some really good decisions. I see. And we've heard a lot about um, some of those you just mentioned, automation, AI, remote operations, particularly now. Uh, but in terms of, of hardware, things like production equipment, completion tools, where do you see opportunities for tech advancement and improvement there? Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you asked that question, Brian, because it can sound like uh, everything is going digital and there's no place for some of the traditional technologies. And that's just not the case. I mean, if I was to look at the real, real, hardware-oriented uh, uh, technology themes we're pursuing. Uh, there's things like plug-in abandonment, uh, water treatment, extended reach drilling, a lot of things still in the completion space. Uh, you know, how to uh, you know, get better uh, performance out of completion equipment, both at the surface and down hole. So you know, a number of really exciting areas where we are making advancements. Might just highlight P&A for a moment. Uh, you know, if you look around the planet, uh, offshore really got going more than a half century ago. There's a lot of old offshore platforms sitting in the North Sea and other uh, areas around the globe. And uh, a lot of that uh, kit needs to come out of the ground. So finding ways to plug and abandon wells at a fraction of the cost 
of using traditional methods uh, really is going to make a difference. And we've made some big advancements in that space, working with technology startup companies, uh, established service companies, governments, uh, universities, and, uh, you know, frankly, some of our peers. So, you know, that's an exciting area. Might also mention that uh, there's a lot of places where uh, digitalization is enabling us to take traditional technologies and uh, really expand them beyond what was possible before. So if you look at seismic imaging, for example, we've developed an approach uh, which we call compressive seismic imaging. Uh, it builds on some techniques developed in the medical industry, which really allows us to acquire seismic data at a much lower cost and also uh, increase the quality, the fidelity, if you will, of the data. So, uh, you know, that would be an area where it's, uh, you know, digitally enabled and, uh, you know, really uh, kind of pressing the envelope forward. So a lot of things that we can pursue and the industry is pursuing that can make a difference. Greg, can I ask you now if you could share a bit about how ConocoPhillips works with its service partners in both developing and applying new technologies? You know, if I think about the approaches we utilize, they're, they're really customized for the uh, companies we work with, the type of companies we work with, and the type of technologies we're pursuing. So we're looking at the full gambit of uh, different types of uh, technology providers. You know, everything from the large established service companies through to technology startups and a lot of companies in the digital space. So, uh, you know, I might just uh, unpack that a little bit with the large established service companies. You know, I think the model we tend to try to take is to work with them to try to improve the uh, technological aspects of the services they provide. So a good current example is in drilling automation. Uh, we're working with a number of rig contractors, rig builders, trying to find a way to make the rigs more and more automated so that uh, there's less and less uh, human intervention required in order to drill that perfect or near perfect hole. So, uh, you know, that'd be an example with some of the big established companies, the uh, technology startup companies. Uh, what we're finding is that the role ConocoPhillips can play in that space, which is most powerful, is to help them field test their technologies and establish that they actually are adding value uh, in the uh, oil and gas sector. So uh, a lot of these uh, technology startup companies have a really good idea, but perhaps haven't had experience working in the field. So uh, we're able to work with them, uh, get their uh, technology out onto a rig or down the hole, wherever it is being utilized. And we're finding that that is uh, helping enormously. If I was to give you an example, there's a company called Bison we're working with that uh, makes uh, alternative material plugs. So I mentioned P&A technology and uh, you know, being able to use something other than cement to plug and abandon a well is going to be a game changer for our industry. So, you know, things like that are uh, areas where we think we can add value uh, by working with others. And then finally, in the digital space, you know, we're working with the giants, so we're working with AWS, Microsoft, and we're also working with a number of uh, technology startup companies where, you know, they're trying to adopt digital technologies to oil and gas, and we're working with them to try to help them make that happen. And so much of technology adoption is about moving forward and, and sort of pushing the envelope. But how has ConocoPhillips applying the lessons it has learned over the last few years in its shale operations uh, to improving future shale wells? Are, are you looking back on past wells to find new, uh, more efficient ways to, to drill better wells or complete ducts more efficiently? Yeah. yeah so when I, I think about uh, the lessons learned side of it, uh, that has been one of the most leveraging opportunities and unconventionals. You know, if you look at the industry, we've scaled up from uh, really kind of a, a very small uh, area of focus and unconventionals during the uh, 
first decade of the 21st century to today, it's, it's one of the most active areas within the industry. And being able to take lessons learned from one basin to another and from, uh, you know, basically uh, area of expertise into other areas has, has really helped our companies. We actually have a group of uh, people within our company is really that knowledge transfer element. So ConocoPhillips has a big footprint in the established basin. So we're in the Eagleford, Bakken, Permian, Montney up in Canada. Uh, so we're, we're trying to find ways to take what we learn, let's say in the Eagleford and the Bakken and bring it up to our Canadian operations. And there's some great stories there. We, uh, we learned a lot uh, as far as what is an optimal completion design in the lower 48 states. And uh, we were able to export some of that to Canada. And frankly, the reason we have a big position today in the Montney is that uh, the lessons we learned uh, helped us understand the scale of the opportunity in a particular area, which probably other people uh, you know, didn't recognize. We're also taking that uh, off into the uh, international space. So outside of North America, if you will. So operations down in Argentina, uh, operations in Colombia, and then we're, we're looking at other areas around the planet as well. Great, and that's a, a good transition to my next question, which is, what are some global regions whose energy development opportunities might be more feasible with the implementation of, of new technologies? Uh, where are areas that might benefit from some new innovation? You know, it's interesting. About 10 years ago, we recognized that the world was changing very rapidly as far as uh, the oil and gas landscape. If you went back a bit more than a decade, there was a perception that the world was running out of oil and gas. It was the twilight in the desert age. And frankly, most companies, when they were looking at technologies, were looking at ways to unlock really challenged resources, resources where, you know, it, it was going to take uh, some enormous breakthroughs in order to uh, make those uh, resources commercial. Uh, with the recognition that uh, some of the world was changing and uh, there was going to be an abundance of low-cost supply resources because of the unconventional reservoir revolution, we really shifted our focus uh, as far as what we're pursuing with technology advancements. And we really shifted it to trying to make our very best assets even better. You know, so rather than trying to find some challenge asset, which you know, isn't in the money today and you know, trying to get it into the money, we're taking the, th the resources that can be produced at 25, 30, $35 cost of supply and trying to cut uh, you know, another 10, 20% out of the uh, cost supply equation. So what uh, really stands out for us, obviously, is the unconventional reservoir assets we're pursuing around the globe, the big conventional fields. I mean, we, we still have some you know, uh, legacy scale fields in Alaska and Norway, other parts of the world. So we, we do see a world where we think uh, the game is going to be uh, you know, who can make their best resources better, because we're in a world which is likely to have downward pressure on prices for a long time to come. And Greg, over the past five years or so, the unconventional space saw remarkable gains in efficiencies, particularly in aspects like completion designs, rather. Do you feel there are other areas that are, still have room for efficiency gains in that sense? Yeah. I mean, we've, we've come a long, long way in unconventionals in a relatively short period of time. So there is a, a tendency, I think, of people to look and think, wow, you know, what more can you do? But uh, I might just list off a few different examples. So I think about it from a kind of a capital op OPEX and uh, productivity perspective. And I think there's room for improvement in all these areas. So you mentioned the improvements made in completions and a lot of that was on the completion design, but uh, we're thinking that uh, completion automa automation 
it's going to be an area with a lot of opportunity for additional advancement. So that's both on how the frack uh, spread works and also on being able to uh, take uh, information gained during the hydraulic fracture operations and incorporate it into optimizing either that particular stage or additional stages being done. So, uh, you know, I think drilling's a bit ahead of uh, completions as far as how automation has been, uh, you know, kind of built into the business, but there's a lot more to come. On the operations side, you know, I think that's where digital is going to make a huge difference. Uh, during the COVID-19 pandemic, we're finding we can operate a lot of our facilities with, uh, you know, fewer people in the field. And uh, we think that's going to be a trend that's going to continue. And it's absolutely necessary given, uh, you know, the scaling you're going to see uh, in uh, the big established unconventional basins. So, uh, you know, today we have uh, somewhere short of 2,000 wells in the grounds, a bit less than 2,000, uh, but we're headed toward 10,000 wells in the unconventionals. Uh, I think the industry as a whole is at 150, and that number is going to go up three, four, or five times. So, you know, unless we are going to uh, have to add an enormous uh, number of people, we're going to have to find ways for each individual to uh, do much more, um, really be able to uh, handle a bigger scope of work. And to do that, it's really going to be the uh, digital technologies helping a person become more and more productive. So we think that's uh, really an area of focus. And then finally, on the productivity side, we don't think that all the uh, gains have been achieved, either in conventional reservoirs or unconventionals. We think there's still a lot to, uh, to learn. And some of the uh, new techniques that have been developed to better understand how reservoirs perform are going to allow us to uh, optimize development plans. And for example, in the unconventionals, build better hydraulic fracture networks so that uh, we're able to recover more of the hydrocarbons in place compared to what we're able to do at present. And Greg, if I can finally ask you if you have any thoughts uh, as a leader in the industry, do you have any final thoughts for us on the path forward from here, you know, with ConocoPhillips, but also just the industry overall as everyone moves past this? So when we look at the industry, we, we think it's going to be an industry with a lot of opportunity, but also one which is going to be uh, very competitive. And a lot of that competition is going to come not just from inside the industry. So you know, we know the world is relatively well supplied with hydrocarbons and there's concerns about how fully demand is going to recover. But if you look longer term, you know, we think there is likely to be demand uh, moderation or destruction even as a result of uh, many of the renewable resources uh, taking bigger and bigger market shares. So we believe the companies are going to win in our industry, the ones that really focus on innovation, finding ways to take technology advancements and drive it into the business quickly and effectively. You know, it's not until you uh, get a technology uh, deployed across your entire business that you're going to reap the uh, benefits uh, fully from that technology. So, you know, innovation, adoption, and then superb execution once you, uh, you know, get that uh, technology implemented. That's, that's probably the winning, winning hand going forward. If you think about what people can do to uh, ensure that uh, they have a place in our industry going forward, it's really all about upskilling uh, capabilities you know, uh, embracing the new technologies. You know, one of the things we're trying to do within our company is make available training and experiences that will allow people to uh, develop the skills they're going to need in the 2020s. Uh, so we have a highly skilled workforce, but uh, if we uh, didn't concentrate on improving people's uh, skills and capabilities, I think uh, by the end of the 2030s, we wouldn't be competitive. I think a lot of people, of course, like to hear that, you know, room for innovation and uh, talent there as well. Thank you, Greg. I think I can speak for myself, uh, Brian and Heart Energy. We appreciate you taking this time and sharing your expertise with us. Yeah. Thanks, Jessica. Thanks, Brian. Thank You're you. Very
For more hard energy videos, follow our social media channels.